thanks, Dad. I mean, yeah, a Manning wants to be involved in football after his career is over. Breaking news. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Episode 5 of the Go For Two Podcast, the podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. I'm Brad Klein, and my co-host is Jenna Elike. And right now, I'm just chewing on every bit of Michael Jordan and the last dance that I can get. Jenna, on the other hand, is not. And for that, I condemn you. <laughs> Thanks for calling Explain me Explain yourself. Out. Explain I, yourself I, to the world. Why I have no good. I dance? have no good explanation. I'm really sorry. Um, you, everyone, can revoke my sports fan, um, my sports fan card because I have not watched. I watched a couple minutes of it when my dad discovered it and thought it was the newest thing a couple of weeks ago. But um, I don't know. I just haven't watched it. The NBA is not something that I'm super, super into. But again, there's no excuse when there's no sports and we should be, you know, thankful for the little we do have. But I will be watching it. The plan was after after my schedule got a little lighter, I'd be able to have more time just to envelop myself in the Jordan Docs. So I'm planning well, on it. Like- I'll, I'll give you my recap. We'll do a little segment on the podcast. I'll give you my recap after, and I have no excuse. And I'm an awful. It sounds like you don't have the time. You're just sitting there, hoping um, football will come back. It's pretty, not coming back soon, okay? Basketball, the last dance. This is the closest thing we have to live sports right now, and you're just ignoring it. Yeah, I just, I, I, I am. Kind, I, it's bad. I know, and I don't go on Twitter like for like the whatever how many hours because that's what everyone is tweeting about I'm like, i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it i i'll watch it i'll watch it eventually it's not sometimes it, that's how things work where it's like everyone's watching it so it gives you more of a reason not to watch it it's just like uh everyone's saying it's so good it's so good it's so good okay like that doesn't mean it makes me like less willing to watch it just because it's like i get it but you're kind of like forcing me into it i don't know we'll Shame. see Shame on you. Now, look, if you want to peer pressure Jenna into checking out The Last Dance, uh, just shout us out on Twitter at GoForTheNumber2Podcast. Check out our YouTube channel, same name. Even SoundCloud, you can write a comment condemning Jenna for not watching The Last Dance. I'm sorry. Take my sports card. We're not going to dwell on this for too long, but I wanted to actually ask you this question. As someone who has not watched The Last Dance even, uh, the, the past few episodes have been, in part, about Jordan's venture into baseball and Mm -hmm. slight spoiler here just a slight spoiler terry francona actually managed michael jordan in double a ball i had no idea about that the question is would michael jordan be remotely successful on the football field and what position would he play good question good question um i'm going i'm gonna go hmm See, I know a position already. That's the first thing that came into my head. I think he's a receiver, play. right? I'm think a receiver. I think tight a end? receiver. I'm thinking tight end. Yeah, or okay. or a lengthy tight end. I think he can. I, I, he wouldn't do much in the run game. I don't think. But 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 in the passing game, I think he can succeed. Okay, I guess I gave my a answer. Yes, scrawny. he would succeed. I I don't know. Put put a little more muscle on him. I don't know. It's yeah. <laughs> my thing is the thing about the question is I hate hypothetical questions that are never going to happen. Michael Jordan will never play in the NFL. <laughs> well, so not, why, not at this point. What is he, he, exactly. He's close to so, 60. So, so the point, so the point of the question, I just hate hypotheticals like that. Cause like, but why, like, why do we have to think about something that will never, ever I'll tell happen? you why, because we've been in our homes for a month and a half or whatever it's been. And um, I'm losing that. I'm running out of things to talk about at this point. <laughs> 
it's gotten to the point where Michael Jordan is now playing football in my mind. But hey, <laughs> I'm not on empty yet. We have plenty to talk about on this edition of the Go For Two podcast. We have some quarterback controversy. The schedule was released for all of the 32 teams in the NFL. We're going to dive right into that. And we also have some off-season moves that were made, weren't made, some of the uh, player association uh, drama that we all know and love. That has come up again. But we start in Jacksonville, and we were talking about this last week, Jenna. What will the Jags do at quarterback? Well, our question was answered. They brought in all-pro MVP candidate Mike Lennon. Thoughts? Mike, well, again, you guys know how I feel about the quarterback situation in Jacksonville, and I think I think this solidifies it. Um, they they brought him in to back up Gardner Minshew. You're, I mean, you needed one. Mike Lennon hasn't started a game since 2017. That was a, that was a bit ago. So he fresh. lost a job. He lost a job to to Mitchell Trubisky. So I I don't know. I I think in, he's kind of in this stage of his career. He's known as the guy who's the backup. And I don't think he's he's gonna come in. I don't think he's gonna come and compete. They they brought him in to back up Gardner Minshew because you want to know who back was backing him up before that. No one of any experience. We had. Joshua Dobbs, 25 years old, done a few, played a few games, but, but not, but not many. It's like five, I think, four or five games. Chad Henney still in Jacksonville? No, no, he's not. <laughs> I haven't heard that name in a very long time. No, he's not. And then they just, they just um, drafted Jake Luton, um, who's a rookie, 24 years old. So they need to add some type of experience to this depth chart. Who, if Gardner Minshew gets hurt, who do, who do they have? Nobody of who can carry any part of the team. I'm not saying Mike Lennon's going to come out and let's say Gardner Minshew gets injured early and he's going to bring him to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that, but at least win a couple games. I think he can do it. And I still think that Gardner Minshew is the guy. I don't think Mike Lennon was ever one of the, the candidates to be the starting quarterback in terms of what we were talking about last week when we were saying who's going to come in like an Andy Dalton who can compete for or be the starting quarterback. I don't think that's what his role is because I think Mike Glennon is in a different tier. They're kind of ending up in the same place though, which is interesting in terms of backing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny actually, Mike Glennon might actually be in a better situation than Andy Dalton. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned actually that the last time he started was 2017 and he's known as the backup. All you can really go off of if you're Jacksonville is his reputation as a backup in the quarterback room and what they actually said they used to bring him in and, and decide for them was his college tape, the draft assessment that they had on him years ago. As a draft prospect, they're like, oh, yeah, we really liked Mike Lennon back then, so why not now? That's just a testament to how incomplete Mike Lennon's resume is in the NFL and why he is a terrible fit to back up Gardner Minshew. Look, this team is probably shooting for at best 6-10, and 10. In my opinion, it's a good fit because it's a mediocre at best quarterback for a mediocre at best team. But for for Mike Lennon, I get it. I'm sure at this point he's frustrated. He hasn't started in a few years. Maybe he thinks he's a starter in the NFL, and this is the best place for him to do so. Because as I said last week, the Jags have the worst QB1 in the NFL. I firmly believe that. Uh, it's a terrible, a terrible deal, deal for Jacksonville because this was a wasted opportunity to improve their team. Something I said 
with the Jordan Love draft pick with the Packers. You could have made your team better. And in the, in the Jaguars case, making your team better, that would have been bringing in Cam Newton. That's really the story here. Not that Mike Lennon has a job, but that Mike Lennon has a job and Cam Newton, Cam Newton doesn't. Does yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's not a testament to talent level. It might be uh, injury concerns with Cam Newton, maybe financial demands that NFL teams are not willing to meet on Cam Newton's part. But it's still an, it's an eye roll to me how Glennon is employed and has a very legitimate chance to start. And Cam Newton might actually sit out the season. So for me, I'm, I'm still wondering about that. Yeah, I just wanted to say, just on the Cam Newton thing, earlier this week, he did say that he was okay with being a backup, which is definitely a different tune than he'd been preaching the whole the whole rest of free agency. So I think he's realizing that um, the opportunities for him are limited. And I just, I'm with you. I don't know how Mike Lennon, now, because it's not even like they're on different fields at this point. It's not like it's like someone who wants to be a starter who – he's looking for a starting job versus someone looking for a backup job. Not saying that Mike Lennon doesn't want to be a starter, but they were on different planes. Now they're both on, okay, backups. That's a, that's what my job will be. And he, Glennon over, over, over Cam Newton doesn't make sense. I, I did not think of it that way, but that is the perfect way to be thinking about it. But, but then at this point, and not to venture too far away from the Mike Lennon topic, but, where is Cam Newton going to back up at this point? What you want out of your backup is reliability. This is, if your starter gets hurt, this guy will be here. That's why Nick Foles was the perfect backup, because he's Mr. Reliable. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. As soon as Carson Wentz goes down, Nick Foles will be there. Well, you can't have, if you're an NFL team, you can't have, okay, well, if my starter gets hurt, at least I have Cam Newton, but who knows if he's even healthy? Well, then I have to go to my third string. And now I have to invest in my third string quarterback. That's not something NFL teams are going to want to do. And for that reason, I think that it's more likely than not that Cam Newton actually sits out the year because the only way he can improve his stock as an NFL free agent or as an NFL player as a whole is by not getting hurt. And the only surefire way to do that is by sitting out the season. He doesn't have to prove his ability. He's an MVP. He led a team to a 15-1 season, went to a Super Bowl. He's good. We get it. He's great. All he needs to do is stay healthy, and for that reason, take a redshirt year. You don't think Cam Newton to the Patriots? Not a thing at any point? I feel like it would have happened already, but... Yeah, I think it would have happened. Absolutely. And I think also the Patriots firmly want to see what they have in Jared Stidham. I actually think that Bill Belichick would be afraid that Cam Newton would outperform Stidham in training camp mm. because I, I'm, I'm, I think he loves Stidham that much. And remember, the Patriots are probably still sour about the Garoppolo deal. They see what they gave up. And now Garoppolo is leading his team to the Super Bowl, and their quarterback, Brady, is on a different team completely. And now they're left with Jared Stidham, a fourth-round pick from Auburn. I have high hopes for him, but at the same time, they could have had Garoppolo. They could have had Garoppolo. But moving on, the Saints release Larry Wofford, the guard, the longtime guard in New Orleans. And to me, it's no surprise, but Jenna, this is a big move. It might have some big ripple effects in the NFC. Yeah, you know, it's um, 
the as our last episode was called the dog days you know it's the dog days of the nfl when um a guard getting released is is you know newsworthy that we're gonna take take a couple minutes to talk about but <laughs> I, i'm with you i mean this guy was was a three a three time or three straight years he was a pro bowl caliber player and something just happened in 2019 where it just it just was was not good it was it was I don't know he struggled to stay consistent which hindered his athleticism which is a big part of what the Saints offense did last season was do a lot of screen passes and he was just not able to get out on those so I just think that it was time. Um, they also drafted two players, one last year and one this year. Their first-round pick was Cesar Ruiz, who is a mm. center who can go into that position. It's going to be between him and Eric McCoy, They're going, who is the second-round pick of last year's draft. And one of them is going to stay at the center position, and one of them is going to slide into, um, slide into the other position that they now need to fill. But he still wants to be paid. Um, another headline uh, from him this week was that he still wants – the $70 million that he was expected to make for the base salary um, with the Saints. So, I don't know. I don't know necessarily what the implications are for the NFC, but that's just why. I mean, that's – I think it may – like you said, it just makes sense that this happened now. Well, big-time implications for the NFC because Warford is a player that's still in his prime, if mm-hmm. not just starting the back nine of his career – and he can go to an NFC contender and immediately impact that team. Uh, off the cuff, I'm thinking the Bears. The Bears have a new quarterback, presumably, if not a young quarterback that they're still developing. And Larry Wofford, especially for a guard, was phenomenal on pass protection with the Saints. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the Bears are going to want to invest in. Wofford is a professional. You can plug into the locker room. It's a good a move for the locker room and for the field. Uh, look, it's no surprise because they had to make room for Cesar Ruiz. That's why. It's be, it's because of Cesar Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints didn't want to have to pay him. They just paid their backup quarterback a significant amount of money. Of course, their third string or maybe backup, Jameis Winston, goes for a bargain. But Taysom Hill is actually paid swimmingly, so they had to make some, move, some room there. But Larry Wofford is definitely going to contribute in the NFL somewhere. I know some Jets fans that want to sign Wofford. Who knows where he's going to go, but wherever it is, he's going to make an impact. Uh, Same goes for Logan Ryan. Uh, The cornerback for Tennessee last year didn't get a contract offer from the Titans this offseason, and now he's walking. And the Titans, they had more than 20 players that that had expiring contracts. They made some big offseason moves with Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Logan Ryan gets the short end of the stick. What do you think of this move? It's not smart by by the Titans. This is someone who you've built your defense around and a defense that has helped you get to the, where you were this season in the playoffs. Um, and he's coming off his best season. It's not like he was coming off a low point. He had, you know, 18 pass, passes defense, which was third best in the league, four and a half sacks, four interceptions, eight quarterback hits. All of these things are positive. It's not like he was any type of an issue on the field or even – off the field so it's kind of a head scratcher to me but I mean another team may be looking to benefit Brad let's go the Jets let's go great move and you know what give me this version of Logan Ryan because Jenna this is not just a head scratcher okay this is not Ooh, I wonder what the Titans were thinking 
look, I get it. The Titans had a bunch of players they had to pay, and they took care of their stars. But the stars are not the only players that got the Titans into the playoffs and beat mm-hmm. the Patriots in the first round. Logan Ryan was straight up disrespected by Tennessee, okay? All right, I'm just going to read off a stat here because, you know, I love my numbers. Ryan joined Adrian Wilson from the Cardinals in 2006 and Thomas Davis from the Panthers in 2015 as the only players since the year 2000 to record at least four sacks, four interceptions, and four forced fumbles in a single season. Wow. Logan Ryan, and that's good company, okay? If I'm the Jets, give me Logan Ryan. That's a gaping hole for the Titans that they're going to have to fill, and they're trying to plug in a rookie cornerback. And if you want to talk about disrespect, the Titans gave Ryan's number away to the rookie quarter, cornerback before the announcement was even made that Ryan was going to walk. That's that Ryan up. would be playing for another team in the year 2020. That is messed up. But for me, as a Jets fan, I'm excited because personally, that would bother me, okay? Now, as soon as I see that light blue, the Tennessee blue, I'm fired up. I want to beat that team. And give me, the, give me the version of Logan Ryan with a massive chip on his shoulder. It's absolutely disrespectful. Unfortunately, that's where the, the league is right now. It's a team league. The players are not controlling the, the offseason nearly as much as other leagues like the NBA, maybe even the MLB. But Logan Ryan just gets the short end of the stick, much like – unfortunately, guard Larry Wofford. So that's just the same story, different player. But in terms of players' rights, players, what they're doing and what they want with negotiations, Carolina Panthers left tackle Russell Okung, he's going to appeal a dismissed unfair labor claim against the NFL Players Association. Basically, just to give you the rundown, he's claiming that players were silenced and threatened by the Players Association while the new CBA was being negotiated. The unfair labor claim that was dismissed, he's appealing that decision. And actually, Okun, talk about a player with a chip on his shoulder. This is a guy that actually campaigned to be the NFLPA president. The campaign didn't go so well. Let's just put it that way. But now he's essentially saying that he speaks for a bunch of different players in the, in the NFLPA. The problem is he's really the loudest voice, the only voice in this uplifting. That was going to be my question. I was like, did I miss something? I'm like, is he, you know, the leader of a long string of players that we've heard a lot about? Did I miss something in the new? No, I didn't think I did. He's the only one. Okay. Like you need a little bit. I understand why he was kind of shut down. It's because you need, like I was doing some reading on it and it was just like, the PA was like, who else? Like no one else is coming up with these. And they're like, that didn't happen. Like, it just doesn't – I don't know. It doesn't make sense. And I feel like if, if it was such a big issue that a lot of players were passionate about, like he, he's claiming, we would hear from them. I have really nothing else really to say. Hey, there are two problems with this. One, democracy. Okay, this mm-hmm. is the problem with democracy. You elect a representative. In this case, it's Richard Sherman, other players that represent the interests of the players and the players' association. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately – there's no way to satisfy everyone. And Russell Okung is living proof of that. So that's number one. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's going to happen. I get it. You know, the NFLPA, the CBA, that's all big news because it affects the layout of the league. But it really doesn't get that much attention because it's not a sexy story. Uh, yeah. It's when the players that score touchdowns and make big hits put on suits and ties and carry briefcases. 
and that's certainly less exciting than what we see on Sundays. But at the same time, I think it's hilarious, okay? A few weeks ago, we saw Mike Pouncey. Did you see this video? Check it out after the podcast. Mike Pouncey, no shirt, chain, chain hanging out in his Jeep, bashing the Players Association. This is this, this is that. And the tensions and the passions that the new CBA sparked mm-hmm. are hilarious. And I needed that with the quarantine. It's, it's awesome if you want to just go surf the web and, and take, take a look at them. But it's like the, the players that are happy just scored a touchdown, and the players that are not just dropped a touchdown, threw an interception, whatever football analogy you want to use. But no, no one is in the middle. No one is in the middle. You're either all the way over here or all the way over there. And Russell Okung is all the way over there. So that's all we have on the new CBA. But moving on, Jenna, there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to move on. And you talked a little bit about, you know, things that happen on Sundays. But now, you know, it's a little more clear what will be happening on Sundays. Obviously, we're going to be playing playing some football. Um, not I mean, not us, but people will, we assume. I we could. Hope. Potentially. I could. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, obviously, um, last week there was um, a schedule release. NFL Network did a four-hour schedule release release show. <laughs> Brad, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not watch four hours. I watched a couple. I waited. I waited. Not going to lie. I waited till Mike Mayock was on. And I was like, okay, give us something. I want to hear all about this. He was on for – it could not have been more than 45 seconds. And I was highly how does this go? How does this go four hours? That's Who my actually question. watched the full four hours? Mm-mm. There's no way. There's definitely no way that anyone watches four hours. I know I just watch – you know, you just watch for the your team and, and what you want. But I think what was interesting was we complimented how the NFL handled everything in terms of, you know, technology for the draft. And that was not – I'm not saying this is the NFL's fault. It was on NFL Network. But the technology wasn't as sharp for, for this for this production. It was a lot of coaches, like we kind of joked last week, it was a lot of coaches coming in and they're like, oh, yep, this is the schedule. And this is me reacting to the schedule. And it was, it was fine. But the problem was on the technological side, it was like, there was an echo. So like you heard, which I think that what the problem was, was that the coaches and the players or whoever were watching like themselves mm-hmm. in the TV and then the Zoom or the Microsoft Teams or the whatever they were using was picking it up. So all you heard was an echo the entire time. It was awful. And it was hard it was hard to watch most of those interviews. And I was I don't know. That's just one thing I think you need to explain right off the bat that you can't be watching yourself while you're doing it. This is so. This might just be the journey. You're right, by the way, and the, the echo, whatever. But technology is not perfect. I understand. Two, pro- two actually problems with this broadcast and the whole presentation, four-hour presentation of the NFL schedule release. First of all, you didn't need four hours, and they were milking it. Okay, they were absolutely milking it. Sure, Mike Mayock might have been on for 45 seconds, but this could have been done in two hours, easily. Easily. Easily two hours. Uh, that's number one. Two. How do you pronounce the new stadium that's being built by the Rams? The SoFi Stadium? Yeah, so they mispronounced it. Maybe it's just the journalist in me, but they said Sophie, and they kept on mm-hmm. saying it, and my ears were bleeding when they did. It was, it was painful. So that's, and it was on NFL Network. Yeah. NFL Network. 
just saying. They should probably get that right. But hey, I didn't have that much of an ear problem with the social media schedule releases. The schedule releases. I thought they were, I don't know, you had to get creative. Some of them weren't very creative. But I'm going to tell you who I thought did a standout job in a great, if you, if you had the patience to watch like the five minute video. It was well worth it for the. That's better than the four-hour broadcast. <laughs> Just so, even I, with I, the quarantine, even with the quarantine, <laughs> we're locked in our homes, nothing to do besides watch the Last Dance. Who has time for a four-hour schedule release broadcast on NFL Network? No one. <laughs> Not me. I I did think that again. The Vikings they had the best, the best rollout in terms of their main their main event their main video which was like like i said a five minute video and it was the conversation that they had with michael north like the the audio the video you saw him and you you saw him introduce introduced him and it was it was so good so what they did it's hard obviously to explain on an audio audio medium but i'm gonna try my best so what they did was they had him Michael North talking in the background, saying what time the games were, what network they were going to be on, who they were playing. And over it was like, you know, your classic, like, oh, this is when we play those teams, video footage of them playing in the games. But then in in the middle of those, they were interspersed, like, memes, kind of. They were just like video, like, it was just videos that were either, like, making fun of the team. Like, there was one example that I don't know what the what the what the cartoon was called. I don't know what it was, but it was like, why do we have this? And it was like, you know, the toilet seat things that you put on. I don't know what they're actually <laughs> called. And it was like, cause it's Tennessee, and it was just like, and that's when they were playing Tennessee, and it was just like roasting Tennessee. It was really funny. And there there are a couple more like that where they just like, or they're playing um, for the ninth straight season. They're playing the Seahawks. Uh, in prime time and it was like the old the older computers and it was like do you want to like click yes or no do you want to play for the ninth straight straight ninth straight season in prime time versus seahawks and like the computer clicks no and it's like congratulations you have to play pete carroll in prime time anyway and then it was like <laughs> fine it was the funniest thing i've ever seen and i when i was preparing for this i was like all right i'm just gonna look at like what most people thought the best were so it was like a top 10 and it was number 10 on the list of this top 10 i did not watch any of the other ones it was my automatic winner i scrolled through <laughs> some of them and i was like okay this is kind of like i don't know how these beat the vikings one but it was fine but the the vikings i think a plus for that editor because it was i felt like i was watching a youtube video and it had someone who was a very funny editor that enjoyed so, okay, so mine is the best and the worst. I have the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're not very good at many things, but this one, this was pretty funny, okay? So basically, they had their entire schedule announced via cat, all cat memes and stuff, and it was cats doing certain things that would illustrate their opponents. So when the Jags are playing the Packers, they had a cat eating a cheese stick, for example, and and a cat fighting with a different orange cat to announce that they're playing the Bengals. And it's pretty funny. It's a minute 15 of your time. You have the time between episodes of The Last Dance. So go take a look. Man, really just bringing that last, that last dance, really making sure I watch it. I don't know if I've ever felt more passionately about something. I mean, you have no excuse. And it's awesome. It I, is I, awesome. I have no excuse. And it is something that, that is on my plan to watch during the quarantine. The thing is, I had, you know, 
I, I wasn't just, you know, lounging around these this past two months. I still had an education to obtain. So I was, I was doing stuff, but, um, education, sure. <laughs> yeah. Brad, there was also some other things, obviously not media related that happened, you know, during, during this time. Well, yeah, I mean, the actual schedules were, <laughs> were released and we're going to dissect them. First of all, uh, you know, the first question out of everyone's mind is, well, who has dealt the short stick here? Who has the hardest schedule? And your answer? My answer, um, it's Patriots. Um, they're obviously coming into a year where it's very uncertain what they're doing. I feel like a lot of the times, a lot of times, most of this, the previous seasons we knew exactly or we had an idea of exactly what the Patriots were. And I don't think we have that because of, you know, uh, for obvious reasons, Tom Brady is no longer there. And now we have Jared Stidham, which we've only seen a little bit of, of him and, and what he can do. And just based off winning percentage purely, this, this schedule has teams that have the highest winning percentage throughout the league. There's, there's some tough ones on here. And I think that, it's going to be a tough stretch stretch for the Patriots this year, and it's going to be interesting in a year they, where they've had to prove prove that they're good probably more than any other in the past, like, 20 years. So it should be interesting to see, um, how, yeah, how they how they deal with this because it's not like they're, they're trying to prove themselves in a moderate schedule or an easy schedule. They're doing it in the toughest in the league. Absolutely. And, and in terms of winning percentage, that's indisputable. Those are numbers. The Patriots have the toughest schedule in terms of last year's opponent's winning percentage. I understand that. And the Jets, by the way, are number two on that list. Certainly mm-hmm. going to be a tough hill to climb for San Darnold. We'll get to that later during fan frustration, though. For me, I approach this at a different angle. For me, it's the 49ers. And not because of winning percentage. I think they're fourth or fifth on that list but because of the layout of their schedule, okay? They can easily start 6-1, and 7-0. and Their first seven games are the Cardinals at the Jets, at the Giants, Philadelphia, Miami, Rams, at the Patriots. Not a very daunting first seven games. They can easily go 6-1, and 7-0. and But then, at Seattle, Green Bay, at New Orleans, at Rams, Bills, at Redskins, at Cowboys, at Cardinals, and then the Seahawks at home, which will likely be a game that's going to be played for seeding. So that's mm-hmm. not a week 17 that the 49ers can just let rest their, on their laurels and coast into the postseason. Because we're assuming, even with this tough schedule, that the 49ers will go back to the postseason absolutely. So just to break it down, the first seven games, only two playoff teams from 2019, including the Patriots, and who knows what they're going to be without Tom Brady, three games on the road. Then the next six ro- the, then after that they have six road games in the next nine games, five more playoff teams from last season and the Cowboys in Dallas who did not make the postseason but they're supposed to be improved. So this is a very tough schedule for the 49ers. The only caveat is they're up to the challenge. This is the Super Bowl runner runner up and sure they're playing the Seahawks but hey they traded blows with the Seahawks last year. So I'm not worried about Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan. They're up for it, unlike my Jets. Schedule time gets me so excited. I'm so, so, so excited. And I think that – I'm not. I'm not excited. I'm so excited. I'll tell you why I'm not excited. Because my Jets are going to go 6-10. And and that's (laughs) not exciting. That's why. Because, okay, okay, first of all, 
They're going six and ten. They're going to split with the Patriots and the and the Dolphins. They always win at least one game that they're not supposed to, and always lose one game that they're definitely supposed to win. Okay. The only lock in the schedule, they're gonna beat the Raiders. Just saying. <laughs> I I have a differing of opinion. Um, but I'm gonna be honest. Shall shall we wager? Shall we wager? The Jets will beat the Raiders. What sure. are the stakes? Okay. I don't know what the stakes are. I'm not sports betting isn't isn't really my my thing. I think you might be more comfortable setting setting the stakes. I don't know. I I don't I that's the thing. I'm I've coming been, up with something. You come up with something. I think I I I I looked at our schedule and the thing about this time when I get super super excited, super excited for me means super optimistic. So I was just like, okay, I can see in this weird way that we could beat this team. I'm not, I'm not, you know, unrealistic. I know we're not going to go, we're not going to beat the Chiefs once this season. I understand that. And that's okay. But I have us, I have the Raiders going eight and eight. And to go back to you, I say that the Raiders are going to beat the Jets. I, I wouldn't have locked it in, but I guess now that I'm taking you up on the offer, I'll lock it in. But I think, I think we're going we're going to do some interesting things, but last season we were on, you know, you know, we were on a high, on the high road. All of a sudden we get our butts kicked by the Jets. Like I, I understand like your mind. I think that's for any football team. They're going to win a game that they shouldn't. They're going to lose a game that they definitely shouldn't. And I hope it's not the Jets because we're wagering something, but just, I'm going to talk about this more um, when I get, when I get into my fan frustration and, and Vegas, but, and Allegiant stadium and just all the crazy things that are happening right now in terms of ticket sales on their end. So this is going to be an interesting season. Just looking at the first, the first game at Allegiant stadium, it's against the saints. And I don't like that. I, that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. You're going to like christen in this new stadium. We're yeah. supposed to be going to Las Vegas to, be bringing in a new culture of winning. Like, this is what we're supposed okay, but to Jenna, flip it around. And we're starting with the Saints. We're losing. We're Jenna, losing. this isn't college football, okay? You can't just decide, okay, new stadium, first game, start on a high note, let's schedule Appalachian State for our first game. Okay, that's not how it works. You know, you know, have a challenge, I know. and that's Drew Brees coming in. There's nothing sweeter than beating Drew Brees in your first game. Now, that's you're that's right. what I was going to say. You're that place, definitely not going to win. We're not going to win. But <laughs> if we did, the place would be going crazy. When is that? September? We'll be in school. Never mind. I'm trying. My thing is, again, I'll talk about uh, ticket sales and Allegiant Stadium, all that, and my fan frustration. But I don't know. I'm looking I'm looking to see when I can make my way over. Because it's the ener- if we're able to, you know, have – full fan for a football game. Mike Mayock said it on his, on the four hour, um, and an hour number one of the four hours of the NFL network coverage. He was saying it's going to be, it's going to be an unforgettable experience if we're able to have fans in that stadium. And I definitely agree. I, yeah, like I said, I projected the Raiders to go eight and eight. I think we, we beat, I think we beat the Panthers off, off of week one. Then, then, what else do we win? And I think we'll beat the Patriots, which is a little, which is a little weird to say, but it's or we play them early enough in the season. We play them week three. They always kind of come out. They don't come out of the, the gate super hot. It's always like they need to get get into the rhythm. I think that's going to be even more of a thing for Jared Stidham. Um, 
like I said, in week two, they're they're gonna lose, and then they're gonna they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna lose. They're gonna stumble a bit. Uh, okay. Going week four to week seven, they're gonna lose all those games. That's the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Buccaneers. Um, and then in week six, they have a bye. Um, but it's an uh, early bye. What's up? It's a pretty early bye. It is a pr- pretty early bye. So we're gonna lose those. Where else are we? That was seven. Week seven. All right. So week eight, we'll play the Browns. I think we'll beat them. We'll lose. What I did with the other division, what I think with the other division um, rivals and the Chargers and the Broncos, we'll win the home game. We'll lose the away game. I'm actually rethinking that because, I don't know. I think if we can beat any team twice in our division, it'll be the Chargers, especially because we – I don't think – I think they're talented, but I think that they can either go either way this season – they can either be better than people think or worse than people think. So we will see. But I think we I gotta are... tell you though, as much as I want the Raiders to go 0 16 this year just because, I think people might be overestimating the Broncos. And this is a shot at Tim Mellon, you know who you are. But bottom line is the Broncos have such a huge question mark at quarterback. The defense is aging. The running back is, in my opinion, overrated than Melvin Gordon. So what do you really have there in an opponent that you're going to play twice? You're going to split with them. That's almost a guarantee. Mm-hmm. I think that you have a very strong shot at beating the Broncos twice. I agree with you. Um, I don't think that their quarterback is as a as big of a question mark as, as you do. Um, but that's because I saw him firsthand tear up our defense. <laughs> so <laughs> they killed us in week 17 of last year with Drew Locke. So – I, don't, I I think that we also we also don't do well well in cold weather and we always play the Broncos week seventeen. It's gonna be cold and no again I like Derek Carr we all know this but that man cannot play in the cold. So I just don't see I just think just the atmosphere just atmosphere based. L A you know there's a lot of Raiders fan in the air in the area Raider Nation always out travels. I mean there's no Chargers fan in LA we always out travel the Chargers fans I think that will be no exception when we're in the new SoFi Stadium so I think we can beat them twice I didn't put it down as that though I think we lose to them once but I think if there's any team in the division that we can be twice it'd be the Chargers and then we have Broncos week 10 and we Chiefs week I told you we're not beating the Chiefs we're not getting close to beating the Chiefs this season no and then I think no. we go back to back week 12 13 we got Falcons week 12 I think we could beat and then the Jets week 13, which I think, as famously now, that I, that I think we can beat. And then 14, we got the Colts, I think we'll lose to. And then we'll, week 15 and 16, we have Chargers, then Dolphins, um, both at home at Allegiant Stadium, which I think we can win. And I think you might see Jenna at. We'll talk about it later. And the Broncos week 17, we will lose. And so – we're going to be eight and seven after I think when we play the dolphins eight and seven, we're like, okay, maybe we'll have a winning season. No, no, no. We'll be, we'll go eight and eight or seven. Yeah, nine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be exactly where we started. Brad, tell, but, tell but, me about the jets and what you're thinking, unless you got something else to say about the Raiders. And- well, just the wild card there with the last game and you're breaking down like each, each individual game. It's that you don't know who the quarterback's going to be for the dolphins at, at that point. So, True. Who knows? It could be Herbert. It could be Fitzpatrick. I actually think it could be Josh Rosen. Who knows? Who knows? Probably not at that point, but Josh Rosen, Rosen, I think, could start a game or two this year because 
uh, Herbert, or rather Tua certainly won't be ready. I said Herbert. Uh, you said Herbert, and I was like, I don't know how to correct no. him. I'm like, he knows. He just tripped up. <laughs> no, no. Tua probably will redshirt, and at this point, maybe Fitzpatrick's getting old. Eventually, he's going to fall off, so maybe Rosen makes a start. Who knows? For the Jets, uh, yeah, I have a pretty similar case. I, I'm not very optimistic about this team. I think they're going to go one in three in their first four games. They'll lose at Buffalo. They have the 49ers at the Colts, and then they have the Broncos. They'll beat the Broncos. They'll start 0-3 and beat the Broncos. Then you have the Cardinals. This is where it, it upticks a little bit. Cardinals and then Chargers. I think that's where you even out to 2-3, and three, mm-hmm. or rather, that makes it 3-3. Three and three. Um, You move to Buffalo, Chiefs, Patriots. That's probably three losses right there. Yeah. So where are we? Three and six. I think so. Dolphins, yeah. Dolphins. We'll we'll split with them. So let's just take this win, make it four and six. So, you have a bye. It's weird that it's back to back like that. It's it not, weird, but, but it is. That's up, weird. Split up with a bye. Then we lose again to the lose to the Dolphins. Make it four and seven. Raiders win. No no question. Five <laughs> and seven. Seahawks and Rams will lose both on the road. So that's five and nine. And then you have the Browns make a six and nine and thinking, okay, maybe we go seven and nine and we lose to the Patriots in week 17, because why wouldn't we? I think we will beat the Browns. It's at home. It's the type of game that we would win. I feel like a a Cleveland team that might even be on the upswing. A lot of people have high hopes for them. And I think they will perform pretty well this year coming from a really tough division, but the Browns are definitely the variable in the Jets schedule, I think, because that's, that's a toss-up game that, for whatever reason, I feel very optimistic about. But, look, the schedule did not work out well for the Jets. Again, the second-best winning percentage for opponents from last year. So definitely a bad bad, bad uh, draw for New York, for sure. But the, whole, the whole AFC, Scott, I mean, for the most part, you guys did not come out with, with easy schedules. No. I mean – No, it's, it's because we play – okay, for the Jets specifically – we're playing the two Super Bowl teams from last year. Yeah. Play the 49ers and the Chiefs. And we're going against Seattle. Right there, that's three automatic losses outside of our division. And I, I don't want to trip up too much on my fan frustration because I vent about the schedule. But just trust me, it's coming. Just trust me. Uh, that is exactly what I will do. <laughs> I will trust you. trust you on that. But moving on, we have a lot to talk about. It's not just the Raiders. It's not just the Jets. We also have the other teams. And look, right now, and maybe just in the spirit of the Raiders moving to Las Vegas, I have this itch for betting on live sports. And I'm not going to be able to do that. But the futures bets are live uh, online. And I'm thinking maybe the best bet out there is going to be the Chargers over under eight wins this season. I'm taking the under. That is an absolute lock. You think, okay. Who knows who the quarterback's going to be? This time it will be maybe Justin Herbert. I know I have that one right. Who knows? It could be Tyrod Taylor. But for me, in order for me to pick you as a winning team, not only do you have to have a good quarterback, but I need to know who the quarterback is. Tyrod Mm -hmm. Taylor could start zero games. He could start eight games. He could start 16 games if he plays well. If he starts all, all year, it's for one of, or probably for two reasons. One, Justin Herbert isn't ready. And two, he's performing too well to take him off the field. For that, yeah. if, he's, if he starts all 16 games, it's probably because the Chargers will have a winning season. But again, I, I don't know who the quarterback is. 
and you're in the same division as the Chiefs. So yeah. I, that's two losses automatically. You're not going to be a winning team. Give me the under on the Chargers. Eight wins, that's a lock. I'm going to go to the AFC East, and I'm picking um, the Dolphins. The line was six. Um, I think they over, which which I said that before kind of looking at their schedule. I was like, okay, I think the Dolphins can go over six. They've made a lot of offseason moves. I mean, whether – I, whether or not Tua plays is a big is a big question mark in the amount of games the amount of games that they play, and they I think came out with the third the third hardest schedule. Like I said, the AFC East did not have it do not have it eat like all teams do not have it easy this season. But I think that they they play some teams that that they that they can win they that they can beat they they're they're gonna play Arizona they can beat them I think they I say they beat your Jets twice which might be <sighs> might be pushing it but I think I think they can do it and they always have that that one tough game against New England at the at the end of the season where last season we saw them win the Miracle in Miami um and they always they always play them tough or Miracle in Miami was two seasons ago I don't remember all all time is fake now it's not a thing but when they beat them last season, going into the playoffs and messed up all their seeding, and the Patriots were out of the first round, and I feel like they're still going to be the Patriots at least once, if not twice, because they always play New England hard. Um, yeah, I just think this team is is one of the more improved teams in the NFL, and I think that they're going to prove that with going over six wins. I'm not saying that they're going to go much over six wins. Um, I'll say that they're going to go seven and nine, eight and eight at best, but. From where they were last season, that is a major improvement, and I think that they go over the, the six that Vegas is saying. The problem is, and, and here I, I know I'm I'm the degenerate of this group. I'm the degenerate gambler of this group, so I'm just going to educate you on the the whole Dolphins live line. It's over under an even six wins. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason the Dolphins are at six on FanDuel is because of Brian Flores, because Brian Flores led this team to overachieve last year. And Vegas recognized that, and they said, okay, let's give them six wins and see if they can go with six wins, or rather seven and more. They're not, they're not going to win seven games. It doesn't matter. The AFC East is depleted without Tom Brady. It doesn't matter. Buffalo is certainly the best team in the, in the division on paper. But the Dolphins will overachieve even without going over six wins. Six wins would be an overachievement for the Dolphins. You don't know who the quarterback is going back to what I said a second ago. The Dolphins are not trying to win this year. They're not. They get, they got rid of Minka Fitzpatrick. That was not a win-down move. And for the Dolphins, they're thinking, okay, they're, they're already thinking about the draft. So I can't pick a team that's thinking about the draft to go on and surpass Vegas's expectations, even though Brian Flores probably sees that and knows, okay, that's our marker. Let's get seven or more. That's already an inflated number, and there's no way, no way the Dolphins go over six points. All right. We'll have to agree to disagree. I think – I don't know. I think you could look – they added – I understand that last season they got rid of quite a few players, but they also stocked up on a lot of draft picks. I don't know. I get what you're saying, but I'm sticking with my guns. I think they go over their seven, the seven wins just because – they have they're a lot more talented crew than they were last year, and I don't think seven wins is a outlandish feat. 
well, they're not they're not beating my Jets twice. I'll tell you that much. Uh, okay. They're definitely going to beat us once, probably in MetLife Stadium, because that's just how we roll. But we're going to split with them. We're All right, split. I think I think the Dolphins are better than the Jets. So yeah, but even so, we're still going to split. You know, the, okay. the Jets are such a split team. That's what they do. Okay, they All lose right. games that they're supposed to win, and they split with teams that are better than them. Like that's what we did so much with in the Rex Ryan years with the Patriots. We would lose to a terrible team like the Browns or something like that and beat the Patriots once for whatever uh, star-aligning reason. We beat the Patriots once, and that would inflate our schedule or rather record up to like a 7-9, and 8-8, and eight, and make us seem way better than we were. The Jets are going to split with the Dolphins. They're going to split with the Patriots. They're a split team, and that's what's going to happen. Trust me, I've, I've agonized in this – state of mediocrity before and, right. and the Dolphins and the Jets are are they too even to to get swept for the Jets well now we're gonna look over to see what was trending this week on Twitter in terms of of the NFL Brad what did you see what did you notice what caught your eye so do you remember in the first episode in the first what was trending you had Colin Kaepernick you remember yeah. that yeah I do remember okay, that so Colin Kaepernick you saw he was trending and you thought he was going to the Jets and that's and you called me and you freaked me out and my heart went, well, it did stuff. So, okay. <laughs> Eli Manning did a very similar thing to me. I saw Eli Manning trending on Twitter and I thought, oh, what's going on with Eli Manning? Did he get the Monday night football job? What's going on with Eli Manning? He says he wants to go back into football. And this is really, this is really my father's fault because he's the one that saw Eli Manning online and he's the one that said, hey, Brad, did you see this? Eli Manning wants to go back into football. I'm thinking, he wants to play again? Are you kidding me? Who's going to take him? Cam Newton can't get a job. How is Eli Manning going to get a job? And then I click on the article that he shows me, and it's like he he wants to coach high school football (laughs) or something like that. He wants to be involved in the Giants front office. Like, thanks, Dad. I mean, yeah. A Manning wants to be involved in football after his career is over. Breaking news. Shocker. (laughs) (laughs) That that's great. That that's these articles. They're always so misleading. You know, it's we're in the age of the clickbait. It's just a clickbaity headline. Yeah, and my and my father totally fell totally fell for it. He's like, oh, Eli Manning back to football. That can only mean one thing and (laughs) And one one thing thing only. only. He's throwing (laughs) touchdown passes and a bunch of interceptions for someone in the league. Probably not the Giants, but it's (laughs) going to be someone. Who is it? Oh, it's going to be. He's going to be coaching a high school that no one watches or cares about. Cool. (laughs) Well, my what was trending was a little different. It's football-related yet football-adjacent. It's it's Jay Cutler is is what I want to talk about because he's been all over Twitter the past couple weeks since him and his wife, Kristen Cavallari, have, have filed for divorce. That's not why, you know, we're talking. My... Thing was there was this there was this this quote that was going around where basically Kristen Cavallari she has you know her own reality television show that is her job in a company that's related to that that I've never heard of and so she said she wanted a couple million dollars so she can buy a mansion so he froze his accounts and and told her to go get a job people were worshiping this man on the internet and I understood Good for him. it was great because the thing was like the ironic thing was, was that like Chris, Chris and Cavallari was complaining about how, how he was, he was lazy. 
and didn't do anything. And everyone was like, ma'am, he had a whole football career. Like, I mean, he he's retired. He, he's done his job. Like, I just thought it was funny. I've, I have watched um, Very Cavallari on whatever channel it is. I've watched a few episodes. Sparingly, I've watched them randomly. Not over this quarantine when I've had, when I've had time. Over, you know, the Jordan doc. Wouldn't dare. But I have seen, I have seen episodes and episodes with Jay Cutler in them. And I'm, I think he's just happy, happy to be out of that television show because it was, you could tell he did not want to be there and did not want cameras in his home. So that, that was my, my what trending, just the fact that everyone was, was talking about, you know, Jay Cutler's playing career and how it's just, you know, it wasn't appreciated, you know, now by his soon-to-be ex-wife. And, you know, it's funny, I have not followed the story much, and the information you just provided, pretty much the bulk of what I know, it's just funny, it makes me think of a bunch of Seinfeld bits, how, I don't know how much you've seen Seinfeld, but essentially, in so many episodes, there are breakups or even divorces, and there are sides that are taken. Okay, are mm-hmm. you on uh, this this guy's side or, or, the, or the woman's side who, you can't be on both, you can't be friends with both, that's just how it is. Yeah. And it's like, Everyone is Team Cutler here. <laughs> no one is rooting for his former spouse. And at this point, it's just funny because he has more fa- fans now than he did in, in his NFL career. I just Very love that. Very true. Very but true. It, look, in the spirit of, of Seinfeld, uh, rest in peace, Jerry Stiller. Uh, Frank Costanza, 92 years old, passed away just the other day. So rest in peace. Just had to get that in there. Now we're going to transition into the segment – you've all been waiting for brad you've alluded to what your fan frustration is going to be for this week it's something schedule related but you know give give us exactly specifically that bothered you this week so we have the second toughest schedule in the nfl uh, according to last year's opponents winning percentage right next to the patriots at uh, about 533 or something ridiculous like that and that's just so typical jets bad luck right the tough schedule on the year that Darnold is supposed to blossom into the franchise quarterback that we drafted him to be. Second toughest in terms of winning percentage, as I said before, you play the Chiefs, you play the Niners, you play Seattle. And maybe it's a blessing in disguise because maybe this is optimal defensive matchups, not optimal defensive matchups, but great talent that Darnold will have to be tested against. And we can really see what we have. But at the same time, it's just obnoxiously bad luck because I was expecting maybe Darnold leads us to a 7-9, and 8-8 season, but it seems extremely unlikely when the cards are stacked against us, and that's exactly what happened with this schedule release. It just, it's, it's just demoralizing. <laughs> it's just demoralizing because you, you do so much right, and they've done so much wrong, so much wrong. But you drafted in the first round, even with the 11th pick, a player that will – that will contribute tomorrow, right? A player that you needed in Mackay Becton, left tackle, that will promote Sam Darnold's play. And now it doesn't really matter because how is Mackay Becton going to do against uh, Bosa? You know, yeah. he could be really good, but when you put him against Bosa, it's, uh, it's game especially, over. Especially in yeah, the rookie year, the transition's always a little rough. Yeah. I have this uh, – just a – just to piggyback off the Makai Beckton thing, it's not really a fan frustration. Maybe it's a fan frustration about arrogance of the Jets. So I have two, if that's okay. 
okay with you. Go right ahead. So I was talking to a friend of mine who knows a tremendous amount about the game. He actually played slot receiver at FIU, tried out for the Jets and the Giants. So I was talking to him about the state of the Jets, what they need to do. He's saying to me, oh, you know, this all stems from a Robbie Anderson discussion that we had. Thing He saw mm-hmm. that thought that Robbie Anderson was a number one receiver. He's not, okay? <laughs> um, oh, the Jets need to do this. The Jets need to do that. It's not Anderson's fault. Their offensive line is terrible, and they didn't even address it in the offseason. And I said, Devon, what are you talking about? You know, we just drafted Mackay Becton. Guy's a refrigerator. What are you talking about? He's our left tackle. Calm down. Oh, Mackay Becton's a bust. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, okay, two seconds ago, you didn't even know Makai Becton existed. Now you're saying he's a bust. That doesn't make any sense, Devon. Like I, you know so much about the game, more than me, but follow the Jets if you're going to talk about the Jets. Am I wrong? And uh, he said that Makai Becton was a bust because he went to Louisville, which to me is puzzling because he thinks, okay, Louisville's a bad school, bad football program, so Makai Becton's no good. That's puzzling to me because the guy went to FIU. It's not like he went to Alabama, first of all. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Second of all, um, the reigning MVP went to Louisville, right? Lamar Jackson, yeah. pretty sure. So, pretty, okay. pretty positive. That's, so that's just two thoughts on that. So that's a double fan frustration, two for the price of one, fan arrogance, and also a bad, a bad draw on the schedule release. Very, very nice. Nicely done. So now for mine, it's I'm going to talk about – like I said, a lot of the Allegiant Stadium, Vegas move, um, ticket sales, all of them are going to be in this one. And we're also going to talk about the Broncos in my fan frustration. Specifically, we're going to talk about Shelby Harris and his thoughts on his debut in Vegas. This is what he said to the Broncos country tonight. He said, I don't think it's going to be the same. I don't see them having much of a hometown appeal. I feel like it's going to be more of a tourist thing like – Oh, we're in Vegas. Let's go to a game. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's, what, what, that's what he had to say. And I'm going to use that as a springboard to talk about my fan frustration and just talk about the Raiders and their new stadium and their move in general. So, my first, my first thing is I don't know if – I don't like the, the comment that he made that it's just going to be a tourist thing. Oh, I'm in Vegas. Let's go to a game because that – doesn't make that's not why you go to Vegas only that's why people are they're just not gonna be like oh it's a Friday night let's go to a game also I'm gonna pull out some numbers so almost instantly once the schedule was released tickets were sold out to Legion Stadium they were sold out people are I I don't know I'm not planning I'm planning to go to a foot if I don't know if I'm buying a ticket, I'm planning to go to a football game. I'm not planning it because maybe I'll plan a Vegas trip around it, but I'm not going to be like, Vegas trip, let's see some activities to do. Let's go to a football game. I'm also, so then, obviously, you could still get tickets from, like, the the secondhand air places like SeatGeek and all those places. And the average cost of those tickets are $600. That's first in the league for ticket – ticket prices the second team that's under them is the Seahawks and their average is $400 it's a $200 difference so I don't know about you Brad but if I'm going to Vegas and just oh happening to go to a football game I'm not paying that type of money 
all, all I could say is buy your tickets in advance because you go to Vegas and tend to buy your ticket when you get there and you play blackjack all of a sudden you don't have any money for your ticket. It, it, it just like, <laughs> uh, yes. But the comment didn't make any sense to me that I get, it's not like, you know, the hometown appeal Vegas is a very unique location. Um, so like, I don't think it has hometown appeal for anything, but you're forgetting who you're talking about. You're talking about Raider Nation. Raider Nation has not complained really about this move. It's obviously, you know, not what they want. They prefer the team to be in Oakland, but they're not not going to go to not going to go to games. We have one of the most well-traveled fan bases in the country, and you're you just think that oh, people are just going to go for fun. And I get it. We have some, you know. We have some games that are going to be touristy, it sounds like. Like Tom Brady coming into Allegiant Stadium. You'd see Tom Brady and, and, and Gronk, see the new stadium. Vegas also, like, obviously, I'm not saying that it's not a poll, but I'm not saying it's, it's the only one. And that, I just think, was a short-sighted comment. Um, I just think my, – my, my, my question at the bottom of this was – did you forget Raider Nation exists? The, I just don't see how – I mean, the ticket demands have been strong from a local and national standpoint, and it's not just going to be another thing. And the Las Vegas Knights, the – Knights, is it Knights? I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay, thank you. The Knights. Oh, the, it's actually not the Las Vegas Knights. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, I'll so erase this. Get it right. We just talked. Yeah, well, I need to. That's why I asked. <laughs> all right. Cutting all that out. Well, we can see the example in in the Vegas Knights and how they – I mean, obviously it helped that they were really successful. But they, you know, they, they garnered a following, and I don't think it's because it's like, oh, I'm going to Vegas. Let's go to a hockey game. I just don't think that's how sports works, in my opinion. And I don't – I'm a little frustrated that Shelby Harris said this, and I hope that we do a lot of damage in the run game when we go – we go play them, when we go, when he comes to play us. And just be like, oh, and I hope – he sees just it's gonna be amazing. This just looking at that stadium brings me so much joy. It's gonna be the coolest thing to be inside and view Raider Nation and just the home feeling that that'll have. I I plan I was part of my fan frustration is also I also have a twofold one kind of. Um I, there's just the obviously there's nothing that can be done. The quarantine, the uncertainty. We don't know if these games are actually going to be happening at this time, and if they are going to be happening at this time, if they're going to have fans. So I'm like here trying to plan my life. It's like the first, it's the first year that they're playing Allegiant Stadium, and I think there's three games that they're playing in December when I'll be able to go at Allegiant Stadium, and then I think a couple in January will when I will be available. And I have family in Vegas, so I'm trying to figure out my life in terms of when am I going to see this new stadium in season number one. And it's a little hard when, you know, ticket sales are kind of through the roof and we don't know how transportation worked. But thanks. Shout out to Allegiant. I always take them um, when I'm traveling from Syracuse to Florida. Always use their airline. And they got me on a list. They asked me. They sent me an email. Hey, the schedule's out. You want ticket deals? You want packages? You want all this? I go, of course. So I signed up for an email list. They're going to give me everything I need to make my dreams come true if we can have fans. But that's my fan frustration. It's nothing too major. It's more frustrated with another player. But do not underestimate the ability of Raider Nation and them showing up in Vegas. 
That's all I have to say. There you go, Shelby Harris. When you're listening to this, that's what I want you to hear. Shots fired at Shelby Harris. Wow. Well, I'm excited for that game, that matchup, and see how the run game pans out against Shelby Harris. Uh, But that's all we have for you on the Go For Two podcast. By the way, Jenna, if you're curious, Jets, Raiders, Jets will beat the Raiders. The stakes, we have to post a picture of the other one uh, in opposing gear. You in Jets gear, me in Raiders gear, should the other team win. That, those are the stakes. It goes on the Twitter account of at go for the number two podcast. Check out our YouTube channel. Check us out on SoundCloud. We're everywhere right now. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.